Thank you, Kyle, and uh, the worship team for leading us in some great songs this morning, uh, songs that have richly blessed us and encouraged us as we've sung them together. There is Children's Church this morning, and so if you are between the ages of two and six, then you want to head on out to the back and downstairs, and I want to bless the leaders and also the children that are heading on out to the back. Um, blessings on you as you spend some time uh, harnessing or at least managing all that energy downstairs. Some of you may have heard the story about a Kentucky mountaineer who was fighting overseas in World War I. He kept on getting nagging letters from his wife back home. He was too busy fighting to write letters, even to his wife. At last, angered by his wife's scolding letters, he sat down and wrote her, Dear Nancy, I've been getting your nagging letters all along. Now I want to tell you I'm tired of them. For the first time in my life, I'm a fighting in a big war, and I want to enjoy it in peace as long as it lasts. People have different definitions for the word peace. Someone else wrote, my therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So far today I have finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake and I feel more at peace already. What is the secret of finding true peace? I've been struggling this week, as most of you have, I believe, many of you have given short testimony of that already, of trying to make some sense uh, of the crazy situation that our world finds itself in regarding this, the reality of, of this COVID-19 virus. Uh, most certainly I'm not smart enough to know all the details and no matter how much we study what the professionals and many others have written on the internet, we actually don't know all the details or the truth on the matter and testimony was already given that even the medical system and the doctors and the most knowledgeable do not know all the truth on the matter. I wish along with many of you I think that someone could give me a good clear objective report of what is happening and what is likely to happen and how much it should concern me or shouldn't concern me and if there is really anything that I can do about it in the meantime. Some of you would probably say, oh, there is Darren. And you would point in one direction and somebody over here would point in another direction and that's exactly what I'm thinking about. And both of you would probably be right and both of you would probably be wrong. I do know that there is something going on. And I do know that this something is a pretty big deal. I know that when multi-billion dollar industries are shut down and suspended, there is something going on that's not quite normal. I get that. And I want to pay attention. I know that when travel is shut down and schools are closed and the government begins to issue statements, I want to listen. I also know that humanity is incredibly susceptible to bandwagon jumping and mob mentality and, and overreacting and maybe more than anything susceptible to fear mongering. I also know that the media likes to enhance stories and in some cases even create stories. I have witnessed this personally and been in the middle of it on more than one occasion. I know that at present we are looking at something that has only infected four people out of the 1.5 million people in Manitoba, at least that's what it was yesterday. 
And I can already hear you as I say some of these things. There are some of you that are ready to pounce on me and accuse me of not taking this thing seriously and not respecting the government and making light of a situation that could spell the demise of our world. No, 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 no. That's not at all where I'm going with this. I just want to truly understand the facts and try and put all these things together and put them in the right context. I want to be able to speak about the truth from both sides without being labeled a hypersensitive, overreacting, fear-motivated Gen Xer. Or on the other side, without being... Nobody is actually is labeling me as a Gen Xer. Or on the other side, without being labeled an arrogant, ignoring the facts, head-in-the-sand, redneck, old fart. Actually, um, to all the young people, we might want to be careful about labeling the old people as ignorant on these matters. Because actually they are the ones that have already lived through pandemics before. My dad reminded me of this yesterday. Of a significant pandemic that he lived through. I think it was the Asian flu in 1957. Um, very, very significant. And so for us young people, you like the way I said that? Every once in a while I like to do that because I kind of like the feeling of it, although I know that it's in the past. For us young people to label the older people as the people with head in the sand that don't know what they're talking about, they need to get up with the times and understand what's really going on, it's actually not that accurate because they've actually experienced this before and we actually haven't. So maybe we start by deciding to just simply respect each other and each other's opinions in all of this. All of us matter and, and all of us are trying to get it right. Except maybe the TP hoarders. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm still struggling with the, with the word respect when it comes to... Uh, honestly, uh, you wouldn't believe this, but uh, Back in the day, we old people used to use Sears catalogs in the outhouses. And you young people, you think you're the geniuses that brought in a new awareness of environmental stewardship and recycling. You guys actually know nothing about recycling. And nobody should have any right to talk about recycling until they've used the Sears catalog <laughs> in an outhouse. Then I'm ready to start listening. I know I'm fast digressing here. Honestly, I do believe that we need to respect each other and listen to each other. Give each other the benefit of the doubt that we are all trying to do what is best and trying to do what is right and trying to understand. And we're not all coming out on the same exact line on the page or maybe sometimes not even on the same page or the same chapter, but, but we're all in this together. Whether you agree specifically and perfectly with the person next to you or not, we're all in this together. And so for just a few minutes, I want to take this in another direction. See, in the middle of all of this, I'm also trying to sort out what does true Christian peace look like? What does it feel like? When it is on the inside of me, and what does it look like when it is on the outside of me? 
Because I happen to believe that somehow it was God's intent that believing in him through Jesus would have a major impact when things get tough or when things hit the turmoil level. I read in the Bible that a major aspect of what God came to bring to humanity here on earth would be the ability to live with peace. When everything around you is everything but peace. It is God's intent that somehow when, when his people get it, they will be people that will experience unprecedented levels of peace and they will be agents and messengers of that peace. They will be people that will, and I will use this word intentionally, they will be people that will infect the immediate world around them with a sense of peace and assurance somehow. And I try and understand during a week like this, what exactly does that mean and how exactly does that look and, and how do I want to be a part of that and, and what can I do to be a part of that? When Jesus was born, the message of the angels to the shepherds was, started by saying, fear not or do not be afraid. First words of the angels when they're coming to bring the news of Jesus. And by the way, that phrase is used over and over, uh, a few variations but of that phrase is used over and over and over in the Bible. Uh, scholars disagree a little bit exactly, but somewhere in the 300 plus times in the Bible that a variation of the phrase, do not be afraid or fear not, is used, you get the impression that God and Jesus and the writers of the Bible, as God was inspiring them, knew that this was going to be a problem for humanity. This fear thing, this fear-mongering thing, this is not a new, it's not a new problem. Fear not, do not be afraid. And then the heavens are filled with amazing light as a chorus of angels join in and it seems like, like the next message that they were going to bring, all the angels wanted to be a part of telling humanity, we've got something to say to you. And so the heavens are filled with the angels as they bring this next message to the people and the message that they bring to the people, what they sing to the people, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. The angels are, are they're excited about the possibility of bringing this message to humanity because they see, have seen from heavens above how desperately humanity needs to hear this. Peace. Through Jesus, we're bringing peace to humanity. We're bringing peace to the world. God's intention could not be any clearer. It's very interesting, really. He came to earth surrounded by this exceptionally clear supernatural message about his intention of bringing peace to the earth. And he actually left this earth with the same message. If you go to John chapter 13 to 16, it's kind of Jesus' final words to his disciples before he goes into the last days crisis kind of mode. But this is when, when everybody is still kind of thinking logically and clearly and, and Jesus is giving this message 
to his disciples, kind of his last words, his last teaching before he goes to the cross. And shortly after that, of course, he went, he went back to heaven. And so John chapter 13 to 16 kind of become Jesus' words to his disciples. And as the truth is sinking in for them, as, as his disciples are beginning to understand that Jesus is going to be leaving them, and they were terrified, and they were thinking, this cannot be happening. We will not survive without him. We have no idea how to do this life without him around. They were in complete turmoil because of what was unfolding in front of them. There was nothing peaceful in their hearts. Their world, as they knew it, was kind of crumbling around them. And, and all the different emotions that you could imagine were kind of overtaking them. And in the middle of this turmoil in their hearts, Jesus speaks very interesting words. He begins by telling them in John chapter 14, Do not let your heart be troubled. Hmm. Trust in God. And then the next three chapters, he gently assures them over and over again. First of all, assures them that the reality, about the reality of trouble here in the world the reality of doubt and confusion and misunderstandings and unknowns, he does not take away the reality or, or try to assure them or, or somehow give them a, a false view of how these things won't be happening in your life. You're going to be okay. You're going to be, everything's going to be okay. He assures them over and over of the reality of trouble. And he gently assures them that the reality of this trouble will not take away their ability to have peace. Yes, in this world you will have trouble. That's how life here on earth will work. Not very encouraging by itself. He sets the stage by, by kind of giving them that. And then he said, and, and kind of along with that, if you were thinking that this peace thing that I've been living in front of you and teaching you about and challenging you to embrace, if you were thinking that this peace would come as a result of no trouble, then you've, then you've misunderstood me. And then he says in, in chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid again. Message of John chapter 14. And of course, we're tempted to say or think when we really get thrown into the middle of the reality of these trouble times in our lives, whatever they are, we're tempted to say, well, yeah, of course, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know what it feels like to be where I am right now, to be going through what I'm going through. Did God really understand what living in the 21st century was going to be like? You know, we're pretty special. I get that. But, um, but I'm pretty sure that when Jesus spoke these words back in John chapter 14, he was already quite aware of COVID-19. He was not surprised when COVID-19 showed up in China in early January. He had that all in the back of his mind already, or in the front of his mind, I, I, when he spoke these words back in John chapter 14. Jesus is not just blindly throwing this peace thing out there. He knows exactly what his peace is up against in this world. That's why he says in, in chapter 16, verse 33, after he's talked about how and why we can have this peace regardless of circumstances, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, 
But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so because of what it says here in John chapter 14 through 16, I believe that we can experience God's peace. Regardless of how ominous, how confusing, how cloudy, how dark your world may seem. Regardless of whether that confusion or doubt or darkness has anything to do with COVID-19 or it is just simply related to all the other life circumstances that you're surrounded with. While the disciples are scrambling to make sense of what is happening to them and how they will be able to handle everything and keep going, Jesus says to them in verse, or chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, If you love me, you will continue to obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Ah, I like that. Isn't that what we want, eh? Truth. Just give me the truth. The spirit of truth. That word counselor means advocate. A lawyer that speaks on your behalf. A lawyer that will give you legal advice so that you understand how to keep moving forward. In your present circumstances, the word also means comforter. The word also means counselor. It's a huge word in the original language that we've struggled with trying to find the right definition or the right translation for. Comforter, counselor, advocate. Check 14 verse 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I'm not for a minute trying to imply that I have all the practical aspects of how to live this out all figured out and mastered but I am completely convinced that it is God's will and in his plan that humanity can live in peace when the world around them is going crazy. And that includes week like this past week and the next one. I'm also convinced that it is not about ignoring what is going on in the world around me. I'm not at all advocating that we poo-poo on all the voices that are sounding the alarms telling us that we are on the brink of a major pandemic or to turn up our noses at the health professionals that should know what they're talking about. Somehow we holding the macho voices, you know, we don't have to listen to any of that. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. They're all re overreacting. No big deal. No, oh, no, I'm, I'm not at all advocating for that. That's not the piece that it's speaking about over here. Ignorance head in the sand. Rather, an honest, objective look at what is going on, doing your best to be reasonable, but not allowing yourself to get sucked into the vortex of pandemonium. Because God, by his Holy Spirit, is bringing to the core of who you are a sense of peace and trust. So I don't actually know if we will have a service here next week or not. We have not yet decided. We will keep on monitoring 
the situation, trying to listen. We will try to listen objectively to what is going on. We certainly want to be respectful of government authorities and the health professionals. And as a leadership, we will try and make responsible decisions, realizing, of course, that we will not do it the way every one of you would like. But we do ask you to pray for us as a leadership team and all people in positions of responsibility around the world and in our country that have to make decisions at a time like this, decisions that affect thousands and thousands of people, and I encourage all of us to embrace the challenge of being an agent of God's peace in a world that is very susceptible to trouble. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you so much again, Father, for being here with us today by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for assuring us that when you send your Holy Spirit, you send peace. And now I pray that you would equip each of us to be agents of that peace for the course of this week. Give us power and give us joy and help us to see it as a privilege to bring this message to the people and the world around us. In the name of Jesus and for your honor and glory, amen. God bless you.